All right, welcome everybody to the Four Outdoorsman tonight on MyBobCountry.com. Strewman here. My golfing buddies in Wisconsin Dales call me a super strew. But I'll tell you, we'll talk more about that later on. But I'm going to tell you right now, Brandon, I'm pissed off. I'm upset. I'm frustrated because I don't like change. And I can't do my show. <laughs> we, we can't do our show in our studio because, you know, if nothing else, this great band that we just heard on, on the Homegrown Show... They're in our studio. What's going on, man? They took up quite a bit of room. Yes, they did. They had a lot uh, of stuff. They had a lot of stuff. We're making the transition right now. You guys get to hang out it's in like the a, same room with me for a change. I kind of like that, actually. <laughs> um, but then Mark won't have a place to sit to get ready for his show. But oh, I kind of like yeah. it in here. Yeah, yeah, During yeah. that first break, I'm kicking you guys out. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, that was uh, <laughs> if you listen to the Homegrown Show just before our show on MyBobCountry.com, if nothing else was the group that you just heard, and I'll tell you what, I became a fan. We got in here a little bit late, but I became a fan. As soon as I heard that song was all about, one of the songs about fishing, whiskey, wine, and women in tube tops. That's for me, pal. Right, so, that's like the like Strew that. playbook, Oh, for that's sure. my playbook. This it's, song yeah, is written about you. It's the trifecta is what it is. What do you, that's got to be hard if you have a band that big. If you do a gig, you got to split it with like 100 people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's yeah. A, a lot of moving parts. That's why yeah. I love playing yeah. in my acoustic duo with my friend Erica, <laughs> yeah. and I just show up with my guitar. And then I, That's why we're the two outdoors, man. Exactly. And then we don't have to split the checks for a You set up in like one minute, tear down in one minute, and then, yeah, you get to keep the checks <laughs> But I tell you what, that's why I have much more respect for, for these guys. It's a lot of work to come here. I know it's a big deal to be on, on the Homegrown Show, but it's a lot of work to come here and set up with seven or eight people, whatever it was, with all the stuff they have in there. So I have a lot of respect for you guys. It sounded great, and thanks for being on the Homegrown Show. But now... You got the four outdoorsmen to put up with my buddy Mark Lukey's next to me. How you doing, pal? I'm doing great. How are you? It's a beautiful day. Yeah, I want to hear all about your kids' football game now. Mike Mark Lukey is uh, the man who started this gig in 2014, and we're we're still like yeah. brothers, man. It's weird. I'm starting to get 10 year in, like notifications on Facebook. Like you did this 10 years ago. I'm like, holy smokes, I'm yeah. getting old, man. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, it was a great day. Had uh, football today. Nick threw the game winning touchdown pass. For his flag football team, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, and he said it was an actual play that they set up that worked, so good for yeah, him. Yeah, their, their coach, Chris, is a great coach, and he's got them running routes. He's, they're the age now where it's actual football, real plays, real routes, and they're all doing stuff. Max, on the other hand, uh, I guess they didn't really get a first down, so they had a rough, rough game. <laughs> but he's a little bit younger, and uh, when they're a little bit younger – when there's a couple kids on the other team that are studs, that's hard to win, man. Yeah. You know, one reverse play is a touchdown every single time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was a great day, good day to be outside. It's a weird time of year, man. It's cold in the morning. Went to church this morning. It's cold and foggy, yeah. wearing sweatshirts, and then you sit out on the football field and you're sweating your butt off. You know, you have a good, you have a a, a, a nice habit of, of making me feel guilty without even trying because I didn't That's go to church I today. I, I just like to casually drop by. <laughs> that you're how you responded. You're going, if you're going, yeah, I was at church too. No, that didn't happen today. That's why I bring up my kidney donation every once in a while to make sure I'm going to heaven like well, you go all, to church. We and... all know you're a good man. And you do a lot for your church. You raise money for your church. I do. You uh, you read for your church. I do. I don't think there's probably a more professional church reader. Like, I remember church readers as a kid, and it was a little rough sometimes. But you've never heard my church reading. You do a great job, I'm sure. I heard you reading all sorts of stuff. So I'll tell you what. I'll come to your church, which is... Eagle Brook. All right, and I'll listen to the music, and I'll jam. I'll be all excited. You come to my church, my Catholic church, St. Jude's. They don't let heathens into the Catholic church. No, and you can take a nap. I'll wake you up when I'm going to read. They won't even let me in the door, (laughs) I don't think. Oh, that's right. You can't take communion. Is that what it is? is? Yeah, you can't stand up. you got to sit in the back with the gear. But uh, (laughs) I I have a lot of Catholic friends, and they they call my church Happy Church. Oh, you went to Happy Church again. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, uh, I, I was golfing in, in uh, Wisconsin Dells, and I didn't get a chance to watch the uh, Colorado football game, but I bet, uh, I bet Deion Sanders is one of your kids' favorite guys. You know, it, he is a great story in college football. Um, love him or hate him, he, he's fun to watch. And, and I love that. Did you hear the Colorado State guy gave him some playing ammunition no. this week? No. Well, so Deion Sanders did an interview with Shades and a hat on, like he always does. That's his brand, right? And the Colorado State guy was talking about it, and he goes, you know what my mom told me? When you talk to another adult, you take your glasses and your hat off. Oh, boy. Right? Yeah. So th- them Were they play- in the same room? I I'm not sure. Right. I'm not All sure right. about that. Yeah. So anyway, Dion went out and bought sunglasses for his entire team. They, they <laughs> came in with boxes of shades, yeah. and they all sat through all the meetings with shades on. Oh, so, that's funny. So, that's funny. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great story. Terrible for my other football teams. The Gophers got killed. 
They looked awful. The Vikings lost. They looked awful. The Packers lost today in a game they should have won. You know, I was um, I, I got home from uh, Wisconsin Dells after being with my buddy from General Dynamics, this company in the Twin Cities, and uh, a bunch of the guys went out, and I was blessed and privileged to be part of those. We'll talk a little bit about that. But I got home early this afternoon and caught all the, one quarter of the, of the Packer game, and they, they were up, I don't know, by two touchdowns. And so I just went to my office at home and started working on the show and trying to figure out stuff to talk about. Then I turned it back on. There's a minute left, and uh, they lost. So yeah. I don't know what happened. Yeah, it was a rough one. I uh, I recorded it and watched it after Nick's game. But, yeah, it's, it was a rough football weekend, but it is what it is. I told you about uh, I had a chance to go to um, uh, Christmas Mountain Golf and Ski in uh, Wisconsin Dells. A friend of mine, Dave Peterson, has worked for General Dynamics for many, many years. And a lot of these guys did. Most of these guys, there was 12 of us out there. And most of them either work there now or retired from there and split off. But what's cool, for about 15 or 20 years, all these guys, most of them come back every year, even if they only see each other once a year, and it's really well organized. And it was a lot of fun. And it's a beautiful place. There's a guy, the guy, I, I, there's a guy named Mike Reniger. I think it's Reniger. They, maybe it's Reniger. Reniger. It's got to be Reniger. He's the guy, from what I understand, who organizes all of it and gets everything all set. And, and I, they asked me, okay, here's how much money you got to put up front. And I'm like, really? How much is I got to pay that much money for this to go golfing with you guys? But then when you see all the work that Mike has gone through to organize this, setting up the tee times, setting up the teams, he every morning had breakfast in his condo that he makes himself, ham, eggs, toast, coffee, juice, all of that. And then dinner, he made... I'm telling you, the best deep-fried chicken breast sandwich you'll ever have in your life. Ooh. I mean, it was wonderful. And so he goes through all of that. And so then you start feeling guilty because all I got to do is show up, you know. And <laughs> and uh, But we had a lot of fun. Met a lot of great guys, laughed a lot, and uh, uh, a lot of stories came out of it, I'll tell you that. I like that. Uh, I do a similar tournament I have in the last couple of years. But uh, first of all, September and October, hands down, the best time of year to golf. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, beautiful. absolutely. Yeah. I love it. The only problem i have is when leaves start falling then i can never find my ball yeah but then you get a free drop who cares you got enough golf you get balls. a free drop if you lose your heck yes really? it's called the leaf rule i tell you what a friend of mine honestly got frank schweitz i don't think he met frank schweitz his brother-in-law joe Younghands, a retired cop he's a really hardcore golfer not as much anymore because he's not as good as he used to be but honest to god he would always bring a leaf blower with him when he played fall golf it would not <laughs> blow leaves away from other guys looking for the balls <laughs> when they play, you know, two, three, four bucks a hole, uh-uh, you find your own golf ball. Get your own leaf blower. That's a true story. He put it, like, in his cart? Yeah. He drove it around? Yeah, a little small. That's important. Yeah, get your is own Is that ball. legal, you think? Sure it is. Why not? You know, sure it <laughs> What is. if you move the ball? I don't know. Oh, uh, that's a 19-stroke penalty. I don't know about that. You know, <laughs> But every hole, every time you played was a scramble? That's kind of cheating, isn't it? Uh, Well, I had, no, I, if I would have played a full round of golf by myself on that golf course... The way I played, I probably would not have broken a hundred. Yeah, it's it's. And you're you, a good golfer. I I can be, but I was intimidated by some of these guys. There are some guys that really launched the ball, you know. And um, one of the guys named Rob Francis is a, uh, yeah, it was Rob Francis. He's an animal. He's a nice guy. He's crazy like the rest of these guys. But two sixty, two seventy off the tee is a piece of cake for him. And ninety percent of the time, it's in the middle of the fairway. So I hit my ball, you know, two hundred twenty yards and feel stupid. But uh, no, we. A lot of great players, but it was fun. It would be fun to try to play that. The greens are ridiculously hard. A lot of un- undulation and faster than hell. That is a hell. big word. Faster than hell. I mean, let's back up a second. Undul- is undulation, Mister uh, English major? What does undulation mean? What's the word then? What? What's the word? Oh, that means curving stuff. That's what it means. It's undulation? a real word. Yeah. Oh, I believe you. I've oh. just I've never heard it. Yeah. Irregardless of what you think. <laughs> hey, back to Mike to Mark, my, Mike Renner. Everyone likes to tease this guy because he he takes his game seriously and he f- works it real hard. But he ducks hook a lot of stuff, you know. I think he, he's not a bad golfer by any means. He's got potential. We all have potential. But he's one of those guys, I think, that would rather be able to say he hit a pitching wedge 160 yards than, than – then break 90. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yep. There's always guys like that. And he hits the ball. I couldn't believe how far he hit the pitching wedge. But there's, you know, but more, more power to you, man. But you it was a lot of fun. But he's a good guy. And uh, a lot of good guys here. Um, you know, Gary Garceau is a guy who is, he's, he's in his 60s. 
great. We played scrambles all the time. The last we played twenty bucks a man. Garso it's, related to no, where what, you live, Garso. Yeah, that's what I, I live on Garso Lane, and and uh, no, we're, they're they're not they're related. Not related. I also know another Garso in Centerville. They gotta be. That's not a very common name. I don't think so. Huh. Unless you're in, is that France? I guess it is French. I imagine it is. Yeah, it is. Got to be. But this guy had three or four clutch shots. You, you when you're playing scramble, the last guy, the pressure's on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost the match, well, one up, whatever it was, and he hit like three or four clutch shots as being the last person in the group out of four holes. It was just right there. It's, it's, it was just fun to watch these guys. Worth worth twenty bucks to lose to these guys. A lot of good guys. A lot of fun, a lot of laughs, and some stories I can't... Oh, I can tell you this story. Uh, one of the guys, we, we'd go party for a little bit, and the set last night, not last night, but the night before, I'm not going to say the guy's name, but Troy knows who he is. And, oh, shoot, I just said his name. Anyway, after they, they all got an Uber to come home, and uh, only one or two guys were originally going to get inside the, in, in this car, all of a sudden four or five come out of the bar, they hop in the same Uber, they put Troy in the trunk to get him home. Get him back to the cabin. There's a lot of booze involved in that. Decision. I don't know that. I was not there. I'm you're just you're insinuating. Don't as long as, as long as they don't forget him, I guess. Yeah, it was. No, it was a lot of fun. Those great guys. Thanks for inviting me to uh, to that. And uh, if I'm around and healthy, God willing, maybe I'll show up next year and I'll play better as well. Well, and you had a birthday during your trip. Yeah. Happy birthday to you. How old did you turn? Uh, Super Strew is seventy-two. Seventy-two. Yeah. Not bad, man. Yeah. You're doing good. Every day's a gift. I say it all the time. If you can golf 72 holes in a day, you're doing well. I After 18, I'm ready for uh, a beer and a lunch. I didn't tell you 72 holes in a game. I thought you, I, no, I thought it was you 27. Could. You got the 7 and 2 backwards. Oh, yeah. Okay. That would be a long day. <laughs> He's, I'm working with a radio guy who's uh, <laughs> dyslexic. You know, is it? But yeah, but uh, yeah, twenty-seven holes is a, is a lot. If you get a chance, I would go back to this place again in a flash because the course is so beautiful. There was twenty-seven holes as well, and uh, it was fun to play different rotations and different guys, and it was set up very, very well. So thanks to Mike for organizing all that kind of stuff. But uh, next time you got to try some of those other courses in the Dells. Area. I'm not spending one hundred thirty bucks to play Tanner's, whatever it is. There's one of those. One of these courses has all the copycat courses from all the famous courses yeah. in, in America, and yeah. it's just it's it's a great time. Yeah, you know, with like the what do they call the church steeple pews and like all these famous famous holes from all these famous, the famous island courses. green at Sawgrass. Yeah. Whatever they have that, that. and Earth, I hit whatever. it last time. It was so awesome. Yeah. It's it's fun because you know these holes. Yeah, and to be able to you know, I'm not going to birdie them, but. To be able to do well on them is pretty fun. Are you ready for shout outs or would you have one more story that I can share? Um, short. You, go ahead. No, this is not a big story, but this guy named Bill, uh, I think his name is Mullenow, and he was, he li- I found out he loves to fish and hunt. And uh, so you got some stories. I'll get you on the air one of these days. He shared one story that didn't get the whole gist of it, but they have they have a thing called, I think it's called the, uh, the hacksaw. Uh, the Golden Hacksaw, something like that. It's an award they give every once in a while. And in the last 15 years, whatever it is, they've given away only four or five. The first one, why they designed this, and they're making it into a trophy. When somebody does something really stupid or whatever, mm-hmm. they get the Golden Hacksaw, and their name goes on it as to what year it is, and there'll be a little story about it. Somehow they were going to help one guy who had to get back to the Twin Cities. They were going to take his boat back. And he said, yeah, you take my boat back. I'll see if they're going to take his, their boat back. So they get up in the morning, they get ready to leave wherever they were. They were up in Canada, I think, and they went to, to get the, the boat off of, off of this guy's trailer, whatever, off the trailer hitch, but it's locked. Shoot, they, they, he didn't tell them that. So they had to go to the, get a hacksaw, they cut the lock off, they take the boat and trailer to put it on someone else's vehicle. They do that, get everything all hooked up, and as they start walking around the vehicle, they see it's got Indiana plates on it. <laughs> they cut off the wrong one. They cut off someone else's trailer, or boat and trailer, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Indiana plates. Well, now what do we do? Yeah, <laughs> they put the boat back. They put the boat. I don't know how they found out who it was or anything like that. But yeah, they they almost took the wrong boat home. Good thing they didn't get caught. They that beat would up. have been fun. So whoever did that at first had the uh, got the first hacksaw, uh, golden hacksaw award. Yeah, and they've given out four or five in the last ten or fifteen years. So he said everyone's got a great, great story. But that that is worthy of a of a award. Yes, it is. Um, we just have a couple couple shout outs here today um bill katz said missed you but had a great time at land castle summer extravaganza so that was last weekend looks like they had decent weather it was uh looked like it was crummy friday morning but cleared up for them i hope they had a great concert good people and uh, we'll have to get a full report on that and uh brian emberg says happy birthday strew so thanks a lot brian that's nice of you and, appreciate uh, that yeah so 
not a lot going on right now in the outdoors besides fishing, but um, grouse hunting opens up. Grouse hunting opens up soon. You got to go up to Ely for that. There's grouse everywhere up there. Yep. I'll tell you, when I went to Canada driving with my dad in the back roads, there was grouse everywhere, just on the road all the time. Yep. So hopefully grouse numbers are up for everyone. I, I did go grouse hunting a bit with my dad as a kid, but... I haven't really done it as an adult, but it looks hard, man. you got to be quick. Yes, you I've never, like I said really before, quick. I've never shot a grouse in the air. I've tried a lot. It's hard enough shooting a pheasant in open air, yeah. but shooting a grouse flying through a woods, nope. that's that's tough to do. Speaking of pheasants, I hope, hope they can find a few pheasants this Friday when I go hunting with my son Mike and the handicapped hunter uh, Greg Munson. Is that his name? On, Craig. Craig Munson. Yep, on sand pine pheasants. Well, we're going to go to a game farm, yeah. So I should be able to shoot a brood up there, I think. Yeah. That's, that's Friday. Looking forward to that. Yeah, let me know if you uh, need any gear. Are you all set for that? Do you have all your upland hunting stuff? Do you I might need. I might need the right size shell this time. Yeah, that that helps. Yeah. It, the action works better when you can, you know, switch one out. There's an inside story there. The first time Mark and I got together, I tried to put a three and a half inch shell in, in a three inch chamber or something like that, and I thought I can. It's <laughs> I, it's the same. It's just a twelve gauge. Can I just ram this thing? I, apparently, you can't. So I. I learned a lesson. I don't know if I would have. I thank the Lord every day that you didn't have a shot. <laughs> might not have a hand. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't Never, know. ever put a shell too big into a gun. Yeah, we got a shot. Uh, good show tonight. We're going to start out with a guy named Mike Fitzgerald. He's a, a kind of a novice bear hunter, and he got his second bear. But how he got it and what happened during that entire hunt, it's pretty interesting. And we can share the video. Can you share that video I did. there, guy? Yep, I did. And uh, I'll tell you, he might be an amateur bear hunter but he knows how to shoot a bow he must be an experienced deer hunter because he made a great shot uh for those of you who haven't seen it go to the four outdoorsman facebook page i shared his video and he makes a great shot on a bear really really interesting story i i was scared watching this video and my kids were watching with me and they were freaked out yeah right so yeah. we're gonna hear all about that uh also one of the one of the one of the things i thought about early in our career here on the radio show on the four outdoorsman we had a guy named on Brandon Johnson. We have a couple of minutes here, right? Three minutes, give or take. And Brandon Johnson, if you guys, I don't care if you love to hunt or fish or not, look up Brandon Johnson, uh, Black Bear Attack, Sandstone. And there's all kinds of, not videos of that, but interviews, articles about him in about 2015. And he was, they shot a bear, they wounded it. It's a long story, but uh, he got attacked three times by a 635-pound with 635-pound oh, yeah. black bear yep. and tore him apart, all because they made some bad decisions. He's alive, but he went through a lot of stuff. And we were fortunate to get him and his lady friend, who is now his wife, mm -hmm. and the other guys who were involved in that hunt come into the studio with us. And he was so – it's an amazing story. So when I saw this video of this bear hunt – You thought of that. The first thing I thought of was Brandon Johnson. So thank God Brandon's doing – coming in with the, you know his arm all wrapped up. Yeah, and yeah that was a crazy story. Another yeah. thing – uh, thanks, Corey. Uh, mentioned that uh, archery deer did open this weekend. I know a lot of people that were out. Um, I I have a bow. I just I haven't had time to get it set up and go. I my friend Barry begs me every year to go bow hunting yeah. with him. I just I just can't spend enough time to get good with a bow where I feel confident. So um, well, now that you're teaching your kids how to shoot and all of that, you got a little bit of room in your backyard. Why don't you get a little bow for those kids and start do. doing that well, stuff? They yeah. do have bows, and I do have a target back there, so I need to do it. I just need to buckle up and do it. But, um, you know, gun hunting is is my life now, you know, teaching the kids how to do that, and we're going to do the youth hunt coming up. So um, that's a whole nother level. Archery is a whole nother level. And and I will get into it, but I'm taking my time. Good for you, man. Good for you. Taking my time. Yeah. Uh, so duck season starts September 23rd. That's coming up. Uh, Corey said he's had uh, good luck goose hunting. I haven't seen a lot of geese flying around yet. Have you have you seen them coming through? Boy, there were quite a few in, in Wisconsin Dells flying right over the golf course. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, maybe 20 or 30 at a time and maybe five or six groups a day. And they were going... Looked to me like they're going southwest or something like, but it was yeah. You could hear them honking. As a matter of fact, <laughs> that and turkeys. We heard a lot of geese, a lot of turkeys that, that were making noise in, in everyone's backswing. So it screwed. We we had something to blame, right? We had something to blame. Did they have those fake uh, um, coyotes sitting on the course? Uh, you no, see they, a lot yeah, of courses I, yeah, try to get yeah. geese off the course by using different things, but oh, no. Um, I don't know where it was, but yeah, they had plastic coyotes all over the place. I've seen that as well. But, yeah, uh, but no, yeah, I have No go. Nope. Anyway, we have a great show tonight, so everyone stick around. It's going to be fun. Great bear story coming up next on The Four Outdoors.
just enjoying Bob Outdoors with the four outdoorsmen on a Sunday evening. It's a good thing. It is no secret how the four outdoorsmen feel about Devil's Lake, North Dakota. There's so much to do for the entire family, whether or not you hunt or fish. Steve Carney as well, one of the most successful and respected guides in the Midwest. Well, he's hooked on Devil's Lake. After his most recent guiding trip there, Steve said, quote, Hey, Devil's Lake just might be the best fishery I've ever been on. I've got myself a walleye hangover. I think that's a pretty good thing. Hey, plan your next trip at devilslakend.com. Hey, we all know Ely is home to some of the best fishing in all of Minnesota, and we brag that Arrowhead Outdoors is also the best bait and tackle shop in the entire area, and it is. For the second year in a row, Arrowhead Outdoors has been voted the very best fishing outfitter in the entire state, according to the readers of the Minneapolis Star and Tribune. That's a big deal. The best, not second, not third, the best. Hey, next time you're in Ely, stop by Arrowhead Outdoors and congratulate Chris and Steve and find out what makes Arrowhead Outdoors truly number one. And thank you. Power Lodge is the number one source for ATVs in the upper Midwest. With the top three brands, including Polaris, CF Moto, and Can-Am, you're able to test drive them all in a head-to-head comparison to find the perfect ATV for hunting, ice fishing, plowing, and having the best time possible on four wheels. Power Lodge also offers all the best gear to fully customize your off-road vehicle, including plows, windshields, heated hand grips, gun scabbards, and more. Dezeal Heating and AC has let the dogs out. For a limited time, buy two, get one free. That's right, buy a furnace and AC and get a free water heater. If your water heater is getting up there in age, there's a good chance it's the same age as your heating and cooling system. Save on monthly utility bills with new efficient equipment that comes with a free industry-leading warranty and may qualify for additional rebates. For details, call Dezeal's Comfort Consultants or go to DezealHVAC.com. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. This story is called The Ugly Truth About Timeshare. If you think you've done your family a favor by buying a timeshare, you need my help. Hello, I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO and founder of Wesley Financial Group. Ten years ago, I started helping folks cancel their timeshare. And in the process, started what's now called the timeshare cancellation industry. Timeshare is the only thing that you can buy that you can't tell me how much it's going to cost or when it's going to end. When you buy a timeshare, you give them a blank check to fill out any amount they want for annual maintenance and assessment fees. The crazy thing is, this never ends. Even when you die, your family's now going to be stuck with this burden. Stop the insanity today. Call my office now. If we take you as a client, I guarantee we'll cancel your timeshare or you'll pay nothing. Call for your free information kit. 800-462-3333. That's 800-462-3333. 800-462-3333. Total Country Bob FM. This is the four outdoors. There you go. Now we can hear me. All right. Stewman here, Mark Lukey to my left. Got a lot of people in the other studio as well. Mark Fisher from Real Talk Outdoors just showed up in the other studio. His show starts at 7 o'clock if you want to learn something and not just hear people BSing. Well, then you uh, listen to the. Uh, what's. Uh oh, there you go. I think we're good now. Yeah, we're, we're good. We're loud. Good. Don't move. I won't move. Got it. Anyway, Mark Fisher and the boys are next on Real Talk Outdoors. Give them a shot as well. Right now, we've got Mike Fitzgerald on the on the air. Mike, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me loud and clear from up here in Ely, Minnesota? I love Ely, Minnesota, the home of Arrowhead Outdoors. That's right. That's right. They're yeah. a wonderful addition to our community. Yeah, they really are. How long have you been down in Ely yourself? Uh, my wife and I moved up here in 2008 to run a resort up here. We thought it was a great idea, and we did that for about 13 years, and and now we've kind of moved on from that, but we fell in love with the community, and we're here to stay. Which resort are you referring to? I know most of them up there. Uh, so we ran Northern Air Lodge. It's just south of Ely on Highway 21, and like I said, we did that for about 13 years for the owners there. And my my dad and stepmom used to own that back in the early 90s. And so I've always had a soft spot for that particular lake and that particular resort for a long time. You know, I know a number of people who own resorts and whatnot and bars on, on lakes, chains of lakes and all over the place. It is a 
it's got to be one of the most difficult jobs in the world. I mean, you've got to be there 24 hours a day, and it's a 12-month season, and it's it's got to be a lot of work. <laughs> it's it's a lot of work. There's a lot of people that, you know, only see the, you know, they think of resort owners as running, you know, st- sitting out on the dock, having morning coffee, waving to the fishermen. They don't understand <laughs> the 3 o'clock in the morning you know, working out the septic plunger in someone's toilet part of it, but it it was a wonderful job. But it it's a uh, it's definitely awesome. one of those high burnout areas. Of uh, you know, it gets old after a while. But we we enjoyed every minute of it. But we're also happy to be away from it. <laughs> yeah, our good friend Clint, uh, who runs Balsam Beach Resort, says if you ever want a job where you can't ever go fishing, it's be a resort owner because. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to, to live on a lake, you know, have access to any boat at any time you want and never be able to do it because you're so busy. That's right. That's right. We always, we had a saying, my wife and I, we always said, hey, this would be a great resort to have, or a great place to have a vacation. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a great place to vacation, but it's a lot of work, but it was, it was wonderful. And, and there's certain aspects that we certainly miss of it, but uh, there's a lot of, having a little bit more of a nine-to-five job that we, we certainly enjoy, especially being up here where we can take advantage of, of so many wonderful resources in the area here. We're talking with Mike Fitzgerald of Ely, Minnesota. We're going to talk about his bear hunting story that uh, Steve Runneberg of Arrowhead Outdoors was nice enough to share with me a couple of days back. But you talked about your nine-to-five job. How, I know there's not a whole lot of really good places to work. I mean, it's... It, it, what kind of employment did you find in 2021, whatever it was? What are you and your wife doing right now for work? Well, while we were still at the resort, I, I went to school for graphic design and photography, and so I've always kind of done that on the side. Yeah. And I grew a marketing company up here um, on the side and got to the point where I couldn't grow that anymore without, uh, you know, leaving the resort and the time restrictions that that entails. So um, that's what I moved on to, and my wife. She works for a local law firm, and so we've, uh, you know, kind of migrated from the hospitality industry that we've been in for a long time, and and that's what we do. So I do a lot of photography, videography, graphic design, and then my wife helps out at one of the local law firms here, and that has managed to keep us pretty darn busy for the last couple of years. Good for you. Well, Mike, I can tell that you have, um, you know, knowledge in video setup. When you watch this video, it's very well done. And uh, you had the whole camera set up. You were you were really set up to film that event. So good for you. You know what you're doing. Well, I, I appreciate that. Like I said, I've uh, that's been an interest of mine, and I've been I've been working for Bowhunting.com mm-hmm. and the uh, Bowhunter Die website for a number of years. I think 2015 is about the time that I started filming for them up here in Minnesota. And it's you know I'm in an interesting position where. You know, I'm in a a very different kind of geographic area than a lot of hunting shows that you see. So I don't have a ton of opportunities, and it's limited. Our deer densities are different, but just the 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 beauty and the ruggedness of this kind of this part of the country, um, it's it's very compelling. And I I've grown to absolutely love it. And even though I don't get to fill my buck tag very often um i wouldn't trade i wouldn't trade it for anything you were talking about the opportunities to hunt up there of course and you had an opportunity recently to bear hunt for your second time i think you you you, you harvested your second beer if i recall what you're mentioning but tell us the story how did you end up getting on this piece of property and what were what was your goal here in 2023 yeah well i didn't uh, you know i've been a deer hunter for you know since i was 14 or 13 and that's been my passion for a long time and and i hadn't had you know my my dad did a little bit of bear hunting when i was little and i had an opportunity to have bear meat but that was way back in the day and you know i wasn't very impressed with the bear meat when i had it but i've just (laughs) over the years i've heard a lot of people you know like a lot of wild game people either love it or hate it and and bear meat is one of those things that people either rave about or they think is the worst thing on earth. And so I wanted to have a, a fresh shake at it with my knowledge of, of cooking wild game. Uh, so I started on this journey of hunting bear, and it took me a couple of years to get my first bear. And it was a, 
you know, probably a year and a half old little boar, and he weighed like 103 pounds. But man, oh man, was he delicious. Yeah. And right out of the gates, we brined and smoked one of his hams, and it's the best darn meat we've ever had. And my wife would much rather me hunt bear now than, than have deer in the freezer. And so it's kind of it's become this passion where I, I, I want it specifically for the meat. I am not a very knowledgeable or very good bear hunter. Um, but over the years, I've been able to, uh, you know, Steve actually um, at Arrowhead Outdoors, um, they've been an integral part because I, you know, I haven't drawn a tag since I was in college, actually. And what I've relied on is the the leftover tag system. So, you know, in Minnesota, with the lottery system, people are notified in the spring. And if they don't buy their tags, all those leftover tags that aren't bought go on sale at noon on the first Friday after the 1st of August. And so I go into Arrowhead Outdoors early in the morning, make sure that I'm first in line, and I've had good luck about pulling one of those leftover tags that, you know, they typically go within the first 45 seconds that they're on sale. Wow. So we're we're relying on that horrible, you know, infrastructure <laughs> up here and the Internet where we're, you know, it's not dial-up. We've, we've gotten better over the years, but I've been fortunate enough to pull tags three out of the four of the last years. And so this year I had a tag. I had... Um, some bait stations, they were set up. I was actually fairly optimis- optimistic because before I got a tag, I had a couple of different bears that were coming into one of the my trail camera spots that I, you know, typically put a mineral site out for deer, and I had bears coming in and knocking over the camera, and so I was pretty optimistic. And, and the second that the uh, season opened and we could start baiting, the d- bears just disappeared. And... I was actually down in Wisconsin with my son. We have a cabin down there, and I got a call from one of our local conservation officers, and he let me know that there was a family that had put in a call for, you know, these nuisance bears. And that's just a testimony for having a good relationship with your local CO mm-hmm. officer. Sure, yeah. Because he, he called and, and said that there, there was this problem there. He knew I had a tag. And so he he kind of put me in touch with this family, and they started telling me their story. And my son and I went out there and and checked out the property, and it couldn't be set up more. I mean, there's there's people that are you know close by, uh, you know, four or five properties down one direction feeding, and another family that's three or four down the other direction. And just how this layout was, they had a decent sized property. And the bears were traveling through day and night, you know, going between these feeding stations. And they were causing some and problems, right? They were causing problems? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were chewing through kayaks. They were knocking <laughs> over. They knocked over a 15-foot maple that they had planted 11 years ago. Oh, I saw that they picture. Were, yeah, messing with, you know, they had solar dock lights that would just disappear. Anchors pulled off a of boat. I mean, they were having all of these properties in between these two feeders are having nothing but problems. And so I was fortunate enough to, you know, be put in this position where not only could I help out somebody, but, you know, all I wanted was meat in the freezer. And (laughs) that was my priority. And I I, I quickly abandoned my own bait stations, and this became my priority. And it was, it it fell into my lap, and I'm more, more than grateful for for that opportunity. How many days did you sit before you had an opportunity to see the bear that you had an, that you shot? Well, so with those nuisance bears in Minnesota, you can actually, as a bear hunter, if you hold a legal tag, you can get on a list for nuisance bears, and if you can actually start hunting them before or even after the season, if there's these nuisance bears, you have to have uh, you know a conservation officer. You check in with them. They kind of check you out for the day if you're going to hunt. But I wasn't able to. Uh, I found out the week before season opened out about this opportunity. I went and checked it out. It was great. But just with my schedule, I wasn't able to make it work out. Yeah. And so it and that ended up being the second day of the season that I sat out. And so I sat out that e- first evening. And it was, you know, it was over uh, Labor Day weekend, which was busy. There was a lot of activity in their area. It was right along a lake. And there were bears around, but just the setup 
there was this old railroad grade that went along the lakeshore that the bears basically used as a travel corridor between these two feeding stations. And there was people coming from the kind of the initial uh, feeding zone and heading to the second destination. And there was people in between us, so they were kind of spreading around. They were either diving down towards the lake and walking along the lakeshore that I couldn't see or they were going up and around me. And so that first night, I didn't see anything, but there were uh, people on the property, friends of the owners, that had been there playing cards for part of the evening, and they left before before dark, and there was bears at the top of the driveway. So okay. they they were super close, but they just weren't cooperating with where I was with the bow. Let's get to the let's um, we, we have four minutes, Michael. So let's get to uh, the the shot itself and how how it took place and what happened after that. Oh, for sure. So eventually, I. I that first night, nothing came through, but the next morning, with it being so hot and cool, uh, I went back out, and uh, I was fortunate enough to have a bear come through, and I had placed just a couple little piles of bait out in front just to stop them, because I knew they were walking through as opposed to coming to my bait station. Um, I was able, a bear came in, I was able to make a decent shot on him, and he disappeared over this railroad berm down towards the lake, and I was very confident in my shot, which is... Not very often that I am. I'm <laughs> with a bow that tends to like play the devil's advocate, like oh, I'm not. I, I was, you know, typically very concerned. But in this case, but between the shot itself and then having the video to go back to, I was very confident in the shot. Yep. And so when I went went to check up on it, he had gone down this barrel, down this hill, and unbeknownst to me, there was a three foot culvert from this old railroad bed. Well, the culvert goes back. And when they built all these houses, they had filled it in. So there was this 100-foot culvert that ended in dirt in the back. So it was basically a cave. Yeah. And when this bear went down the hill, he turned, and he went into the cave, and I followed the blood trail there. And it was, I mean, if you watch the video, I'm just incredible. You know, it's almost incredulous. I just couldn't (laughs) believe that this was happening. Now, you, so, you you have no idea whether this bear is dead or injured or mean or ugly or whatever, and you've got to go in and try to decide, am I going to go in and get this thing? <laughs> yeah, and so and I didn't have a spotlight with me, so I went up to the landowner, got a flashlight, came back down, set up the camera. I had a GoPro on my head and everything, and and fortunate enough, the bear had, had gone in maybe 30, 40 yards and had expired, but, I you know, I could... Once I got in there with a flashlight, I could see him there, but, you know, you never know if he's really down. So I'm throwing rocks at him, trying to make sure that he's down. But in the end, uh, you know, I have to face this choice of, am I going to crawl headfirst into this three-foot culvert that ends in either a wounded bear or a complete success? And, and I again, I went back to this weird feeling that, for some reason, I just felt so confident in my shot that, I was willing, to, willing to do that. Well, oh, you got, you got, yeah. you got cojones, Mark. Well, I got to tell you, you, I watched the video with my kids, and they were scared, and so was I. I can't imagine crawling headfirst in a tiny hole, knowing that there's a bear that was shot that's staring at you at the end of this. So, so kudos to you for having the cojones to just go for it, and uh, it's unbelievable. For those of you that haven't seen it, you have to, you have to check it out. Uh, it's on our Facebook page. And uh, I can't believe it. One quick note is <laughs> that bear was my spirit animal. He walked by, saw some food, and laid down and, you know, just dug his face in the food for a while. I'm like, that guy knows how to relax. <laughs> <laughs> so, when, hey, we only, have, we only have about a minute left. When you walked in, when you first started crawling into the cave, did you have a knife or something in one hand? Or were you going in there just hoping? No, I, you know, I, I made, the, I only went in like three or four feet before I shined the light on him and I could see the arch of his back. And, and again, just with the, the confidence for some reason that I had in the shot, I felt a lot better, but uh, at the same time, like I said, I was, I was tossing rocks. I was confident, but I don't, I don't want to go rolling in there. I, you know, you might say I have cojones, but maybe I just don't have brain cells. There's a fine line there. <laughs> I'll tell you what, listen, we're going to let you go, but I'll tell you what, look up, you heard me, you might have heard me mentioning this the first part of the show, look up the story about Brandon Johnson, a uh, sandstone hunter maybe eight years ago, gets mauled by a 600-pound bear. We had Brandon Johnson in the studio, and the story behind that guy, you can find interviews and stories about the whole thing 
It is amazing. And if you would have known about this story before that bear went into the culvert, you never would have gone in there. I tell <laughs> well, you, oh boy, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. This is no, this is no six hundred pound bear. Yeah. I mean, I'm not good at judging bears on the hoof by any mean, but but I I knew he wasn't. He wasn't any of those big bubble bears. Yeah, he could have. He could have caused him jamming. Hey, Mike Fitzgerald, I'll tell you that's one hell of a story. And you keep hunting, and I'm I'm excited for you for living your dream up there. And you must have a great wife as well. And and I'm on her side. Bear meat, out kicks uh, uh, white-tailed deer venison any day of the week. That's my own opinion. Yeah. It is, man. I, I never thought I'd say it, but I, I, heart, I wholeheartedly believe it now. You take care of yourself and say hi to Steve and Chris. Next time you go by Arrowhead Outdoors, they're great friends of ours and great sponsors, and it's a great store. Thanks for being on the Four Outdoorsman, young man. Keep us posted. We'll have you on again because you are a great storyteller. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. You can always follow us on bowhunting.com or bowhunter.com. We got her. Boy, take care, Mike. Thanks again. You too, thanks. You bet. That's the story. We'll get right back with uh, Tanner Cherney. Tanner Cherney lives out in North Dakota. Is he North Dakota he, now or something? He's driving to Bemidji for a conference, but he is going to call in and tell us all about Devil's Lake. Well, maybe he's going to stay at Balsam Beach Resort. You never know. Yep. Bob FM. Home of the Liberty Comfort Systems Four Wheels of Fun ATV Giveaway. Listen every weekday morning at 7.50 for your keyword to win a 2023 Can-Am Maverick Trail side-by-side. Get the full details at mybobcountry.com. Dezeal Heating and AC has let the dogs out. <laughs> for a limited time, buy two, get one free. That's right, buy a furnace and AC and get a free water heater. If your water heater is getting up there in age, there's a good chance it's the same age as your heating and cooling system. Save on monthly utility bills with new, efficient equipment that comes with a free industry-leading warranty and may qualify for additional rebates. For details, call Dezeal's Comfort Consultants or go to DezealHVAC.com. Now, we were just talking with Mike Fitzgerald in Ely, Minnesota. By coincidence, I'm going to talk about Arrowhead Outdoors up there as well. September and October still offer the great open water fishing. Grouse hunting is great. Numbers are up. And Arrowhead Outdoors can help you with either one. Everybody knows that Arrowhead Outdoors on the east end of town is the best and biggest fishing, hunting, and camping store in the entire area. And Chris and Steve, well, they're two of the nicest people you're ever going to meet. Whatever you need for the outdoors, Arrowhead Outdoors has it all in Ely, Minnesota. Stop in and tell Chris and Steve that Strewman said hi. All right, we're going to go right to the next one. Here we go. Hey, congrats. we got to do this. Congratulations to uh, John Hoyer. Uh, we're going to have him on the show next week or the week after, I think. Yeah, big he, winner. Yep, he took. He won his second consecutive National Walleye Tour title, and this year, Devil's Lake. Why Devil's Lake? Well, I'll tell you what, it's obvious. Devil's Lake is the home to a lot of walleye and a lot of big walleyes. And Devil's Lake offers plenty of options when you get off the water as well. You can bring your shotgun for an afternoon of cast and blast, and then you can spend your evening at one of the many fine dining restaurants in town as well. Devil's Lake, North Dakota. Hey, it's good enough for the pros. Power Lodge is the number one source for ATVs in the upper Midwest. With the top three brands, including Polaris, CF Moto, and Can-Am, you're able to test drive them all in a head-to-head comparison to find the perfect ATV for hunting, ice fishing, plowing, and having the best time possible on four wheels. Power Lodge also offers all the best gear to fully customize your off-road vehicle, including plows, windshields, heated hand grips, gun scabbards, and more. Well, you know, I was going to let Mark Lukey, or suggest that Mark Lukey bring us back in from the second break, but he was watching TV. What the hell are you looking at over there? I was just watching the Denver-Washington game, Yes. and uh, Denver threw like a 70-yard bomb at the last play, and the guy caught it. it On the last play of the game, you think? Yeah, watch this. Well, I can't watch it. I'm in a different spot. He got it. Touchdown. <laughs> that was amazing. Well, well that was, was it outdoors? Uh, yeah, All yeah, right. it was outside, and uh, well, we can talk about it. Then what a game. this is the four outdoorsman. Hey, thanks a lot. We must have a new guest on the show, right? Tanner, are you there, buddy? I am. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. I can hear the gentle hum of your your car. So, but it sounds like you have good reception, though. I do. So, hopefully, I got you for the duration of this interview. 
Well, uh, we forgive you if you cut out, but I really appreciate you taking the time. I was scrolling through Facebook like I do every day, like a mindless idiot, and I saw your video that you posted on Devil's Lake um, Facebook page about fall fishing and upcoming waterfowl. And, you know, I said to myself, we got to check in with Tanner, learn all about Devil's Lake. And you're coming off a big walleye tournament where John Hoyer just uh, had his second consecutive win. Why don't you start off by telling us how did that tournament go uh, at Devil's Lake? Yeah, absolutely. I still, it's hard to believe, you know, we had 41 pro anglers and 41 co-anglers up here for uh, the National Walleye Tour Championship. And after three days of fishing in the top 10 field, it was crazy to see John Hoyer pull in. I think it was 93 pounds and change for 15 walleyes, which is like a 6.2 pound average. And it's just one of those true testaments to show that, you know, we've been saying it all summer long. And so is our local game and fish about how the walleye numbers are holding up here and it's record year and all that. And to watch these guys come in and, you know, the amazing thing is they fished it so many different ways, whether it's slip bobbers, um, jigs, pulling crankbaits, pitching crankbaits. It's, it was just awesome to see the variety of, of techniques and the, uh, the quality of fish that came out of here. Hey, Tanner, uh, Strewman here. Good to talk to you, my friend. You, you've been up in that Devil's Lake area for many, many years. Of course, you were born and raised there, living a little bit of ways right now, but you're back and forth and still helping out with Devil's Lake. H- how does the tournament end up there? Do you guys lobby to the NWT to come to Devil's Lake, or do they go out reaching other you guys and say, listen, can we have the tournament at your place? How does that all take place? You know, we're actually in a very unique position just because of the body of water and, you know, the publicity we've gained over the last 15, 20 years is a lot of these tournaments want to come have their tournaments here. So it's a matter of just coordinating with them um, and then coordinating with their state game and fish department, too, to get the, the actual permits that they need for these. And I know a lot of the National Walleye Tour tournaments, they have anglers, of like an angler advisory board that basically sits down at the beginning of the season and also plots out where they would like to see tournaments in the coming years. And Devil's Lake always seems we're very fortunate to be at the top of a lot of people's list for hosting a tournament, whether it be the championship or an early season one or midsummer tournament. Well, Tanner, it's just, it's such a big and unique lake and there's just so much forage for these walleyes to grow and the populations are always great. I mean, what a great place to have a championship. It's not like you're fishing a river, you know, channel or you're fishing one big basin lake. I mean, there's so much structure that it makes for an interesting tournament. That's for sure. It does. And, you know, a lot of these pros, it was so crazy to see, like in the top 10, there was guys fishing in shallow as six feet of water. And then there was guys also fishing out in deep. It's 35 in the submerged rocks. And, you know, it's different water temps, but not a lot of difference. But it's just crazy to see that it does fish so differently. And it's almost like we have three or four bodies of water in the whole system itself. So it's, it's a very unique place. I'll tell you, every time I've fished with you out there, it seems like we do a different thing. And every time we do a different thing, it seems successful. I mean, we've done bottom bouncing there and been successful. We've done jigging wraps we've done just straight jigging it's it seems like whatever we do it's producing fish out there it it is you know especially early in the spring it's a little bit more of a cut and dry it's going to be a slip bobber with a leech and maybe a jig and a plastic kind of bite but as that water temps rise throughout summer and we get closer to fall and everything's kind of firing in all cylinders it seems like that's you can throw pretty much anything you want and fish however you want hey tanner it's a coincidence that not that you're on because we We'd love to have you on. You're very knowledgeable and all that. But I called Pat today. What's Pat's last name? Camerton. Yeah. And uh, I said, listen, we don't have a, a second guest just yet. You want to be on this afternoon. Then I talked to Mark, and Mark already spoke with you because I was going to talk to Mark about this, uh, Pat about the same things. And my buddy Bob and I, Bob Krejci, was at Media Day uh, weekend with us, if you remember that. And he bought himself a new boat. I don't know what he's got. And he wants to go up and visit you guys in Devils Lake, North Dakota, in the last couple of weeks in October. Is it still a pretty good play time to fish open water on Devil's Lake in late October? It, it absolutely is. You know, a lot of these fish, as we get closer to uh, ice up, which can be, you know, usually end of November, beginning of December is when we start to see fishable ice. So end of October can be a fantastic time. Um, just depends on weather patterns at that time of the year. But a lot of these fish start to put the feed bag on. And that's when you have a great opportunity at catching a trophy like Bob did this last year. And oh, that's right. A lot of opportunities like <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. He's a, I bring him up there one time to, to fish with me and he catches a 27 inch walleye. And I've never caught a 27 inch walleye, <laughs> you know, and, and I've, I've never caught a 25 inch walleye, but yeah, good for him. Uh, he, he's sold on Devil's Lake right now as well. I'm, 
And I, my guess is he'd like to come up and do a cast and blast because he loves shooting birds as well. Absolutely. You know, that's the one thing we're very unique about up here is you can go out and sit in the, a grain field in the morning and, and watch the sun the sunrise and the mallards come working on the decoys or sit out in a slough, with some floater decoys, and then come back, have a nice little breakfast, and take a, maybe a mid-morning, late afternoon, or early afternoon nap, and then head out for an afternoon and evening of walleye fishing. We're very fortunate for that cast and blast opportunity. Life is a bitch, and then you die. Go ahead, Mark. Hey, Tanner, uh, coming from Minnesota here, is it pretty easy to get a waterfowl license? Is it uh, hassle-free? I know North Dakota typically is it's not too difficult. What's the process like for that? So basically you can get it right away online before you're heading up this way, or you can get it when you do get to town, you know, at any of our local sporting goods stores. Um, but yeah, it's not a hassle at all. So there's no lottery system like a lot of states have. It's an over-the-counter tag. Um, I don't forget offhand. I want to say it's like 125 or 150 bucks and you get, uh, I think 14 days and you get two different, two different seven day periods. So you can set the date for your first part of the trip, and if you ever want to come back later in the season, you can also adjust it. So very, very easy to get, and it's very nice to be able to do that on a whim if you decide to make the trip out here when the migration's at its strong point. What are you heading to uh, toward Bemidji for? I For what are you heading toward Bemidji? So actually, I'm going to see Susie and Pat out there as well. We've got the Glow Conference, which is the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Writers. So we're heading over there to talk about Devil's Lake and talk about a little bit about Team Lodge that I work with as well and meet a bunch of the writers and, you know, just kind of mix and mingle and do the networking. So it's going to be over at, uh, I think it's uh, at the Hampton at uh, Lake Bemidji. Good for you, man. Good for you. Tell Susie we said hi, and I'm going to be back in there hopefully in a couple of weeks when if Bob, he, he wants to get his boat in the water. He's, he's pretty excited. We've got, I don't know what he's got, but we're going to give it a shot. Hey, I, I understand one of your favorite seasons is opening up this weekend in North Dakota. You know that? Are you talking no- about the waterfall season? Nope, I'm talking about Sandhill Cranes. <laughs> oh. You've never, shot a, you've never shot a Sandhill Crane, have you? I have actually shot one in my life. Really? And I... I have. I was sitting in a duck blind, and we had one come in, and it actually landed, and I had to pull up my phone to make sure I could ID this thing properly. <laughs> I was abiding by the law, but I did, I did have my Sandhill crane permit in my pocket, and lo and behold, that's what it was. So I did a little army crawl out to the end of the decoys and was fortunate enough to harvest it. And as if you've ever heard anyone say it's the ribeye of the sky, oh, yeah. it's 100% true. We, yeah. uh, we put it on the grill, and I tell you what, it was my favorite waterfall um, I've ever had. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, that you, you, you weren't even comfortable identifying it because <laughs> not too many years ago, you see them, they're like geese now almost. I see them in farm fields all over the place, not right as much as geese, but a lot more than we did five or ten years ago. The first time, I, well, you, you could hear them in the sky, but you could, all you could see is dots, having no idea what they were. Remember, they're so high. And all of a sudden, I was in Turtle Lake, Wisconsin with Diana. I was selling real estate that day and driving by toward a farm. And I saw two tall things in a farm field. I had to back up. And I backed up. And then I realized they're sandhill cranes. I'd never seen a bird that big. And now, well, they're getting to be pretty common. But other people I know have hunted them, and they, and they love them. And I got to I, I gotta try it sometime. That's pretty cool. <laughs> You do. The word of the wise, though, if you are going to be chasing sandhill cranes and you've got a bird dog with you, be very careful that those birds are fully um, gone before you send your bird dog out because they have been known to peck eyes out because they are still pretty predatorial. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Tanner, is that just like an add-on stamp kind of thing in in North Dakota? Like uh, you get a waterfowl license and then you buy a stamp, or how does that work? It is. It is. So, yeah, you get your regular season waterfall tag, and then basically that's just a sandhill crane permit. It's it added right on, I think it's like 25 bucks or so, and it's good for, uh, you know, you have a daily quota on there. And like I said, I had that for years, but I had to identify it because it's like one of those things you always have it just in case, and <laughs> yeah. sure enough, like, there he is. I shot a heron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, is, there, is there enough meat on there for a, to feed a family of one meal or just, uh, what do you have? They look skinnier than heck. They are. You know, it's uh, it's more of an appetizer. It, a couple could probably have a meal with some sides out of it. But, yeah, if you are relying on just one bird to feed a family of three or four, it's going to be more of an appetizer for them. One more question on sandhill cranes, because that wasn't the topic of this conversation when we started. How do you hunt a sandhill crane? Do you call them in like you're duck hunting? You do. There's actually uh, sandhill crane decoys. And like you said, seeing them out in wheat fields and stuff now or bean fields, 
Um, you basically hunt them just like you would any other kind of duck or goose and get your sandhill crane decoys out there, and then they do have sandhill uh, crane calls. And I can't say that I've ever tried one of those, so I know there's guys that are actually out there that are very good at that. But, yeah, you'd hunt them just like you would a traditional uh, field setup for a waterfall. Tanner, in Devil's Lake, are most people hunting like ducks and waterfowl on the lake itself, or is it the back sloughs and fields kind of surrounding the lake? You know, there's a few that go out into the main water itself, but a lot of, you know, in the last probably decade or so, I'd say 75 to 80 percent of waterfowl hunting is done from grain fields. And then there are some that are out in the, you know, the transition sloughs that we like to call them, where the ducks are, you know, meandering between different ponds throughout the day, not necessarily where they're roosting or where they're sleeping overnight, but just they're kind of the loafing ponds, like we call them. But the grain field hunting is predominantly what's done up in our neck of the woods. Is it hard to, uh, you know, befriend a farmer to, to find a place? Do you have to know somebody or how would one, someone go about field hunting near Devil's Lake? Or did she hire a guide and you know, be done with it? You know, it's uh, if you go out and you scout and you find the landowners and you, you know, Go up and introduce yourself. Nine times out of ten, you're going to get permission. They're just usually everything is posted just because there might be someone or a family member that's coming up, and they don't want to make sure there's two people on the field at the same time. Um, but if you also want to, there's also an opportunity which our North Dakota Game and Fish has called Plots, and it's private land open to sportsmen. They've got cool. a publication that shows all the private land that's available to anyone coming into our state that wants to take the opportunity to enjoy our resources. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, Tanner right now because uh, you and your dad and other folks nearby like to take an annual trip someplace, whether it's hunting or fishing or something. What's the big, big trip for you in 2024 or maybe even this fall? You know, right now, this fall, we don't have any trips. I've got a whitetail tag in North Dakota, uh, but my dad and I are talking potentially maybe next fall of 24 of going out west somewhere for an elk hunt. He's got a couple points in a few states, so if he's fortunate enough to draw the tags, we may uh, make a trip out to the Rocky Mountains and see if we can't find a bugling bull. Boy, that sounds good to me. Tanner Cherney, Devil's Lake. Well, I guess you're Devil's Lake Tourism, but uh, thanks for joining us. You're always a thrill, and we learn a lot. We do learn a lot, and... uh, um, it's been fun to have you. Next time we get up there, we'll take a look and try to see you guys and tell Susie and Bob and I are going to try to come up in late October. But we got to find someone to take us out there. Maybe Pat will take us out there and show us where to go fishing because that's an awful lot of water in Devil's Lake. Take care of yourself. Travel safely. Say hi to everybody, and we'll talk to you again soon, all right? Will do, guys. Thanks for having me on. You bet, buddy. Take care of yourself. Boy, uh... Tanner's got me excited to go. Maybe I can tag along with you and Bob in October. He would, well, if, of course you can. You know, that's, I think it'd just be funner than heck, you know, and Bob's a good guy, and, he'd know, it's, and he's, it is his boat. It's even more fun that way. But, as, uh, as many times as I've been to Devil's Lake, I've, it's usually the dead of winter or the dead of summer. I don't think I've ever been there late fall. So. Neither have I, and it's got to be a nice time of the day, nice time of the year. And, and if it's not, you know, it can't be 35, 40, 45 degrees in the morning, whatever. Yeah. That's okay. We can do this. I well, think it'd be fun. It'd be nice driving out there without, you know, 40 uh, below wind chill and yep. dunes. <laughs> I'm with you. Hey, you got a couple of new shout outs here. My buddy Bob Byerly, who's listening to the show, was real nice. He said, ton- I just saw tons of turkeys uh, between Aiken and Princeton just now coming home from wherever he is. And he also said, Strew is the best reader at church. He keeps everybody awake. <laughs> and then we got a, we got a, um, a text from, uh, cats covers and, Bill and cats. Uh, yeah, Bill said that he, uh, he, uh, he bought himself a brand new fish house. He's looking forward to taking us out this, so this winter. So Bill, we're going to take you up on that, buddy. I wonder if he's got any covers to put in that. Make I'm sure nothing I'm, falls down the hole. I'm guessing he knows somebody who can get him a few cats covers. Another uh, shout out that came in is our friends at Twin Cities Walleyes Unlimited. Uh, great fishing weekend. We had our Frazier fishing outing with disabled adults at Centennial Lakes Park on Saturday. Lots of fish were caught and resulted in many smiles. Our October 5th meeting will welcome Steve Panaz of Lake Commando's TV show. We know Steve Panaz. He's yep. a great guy. Yes, he is. So uh, thanks, everyone, for the shout-outs. And, um, yeah, enjoy the out. It's the perfect time of year, man. Perfect we're gonna, temperature. We're going to wrap it up. And thanks to uh, Mike Fitzgerald, the bear hunter, and then Tanner, of course, and everybody else who listens to the radio show. We have a lot of fun on the four outdoors. We have a great week. Hopefully when I come back next Sunday, I'll have a couple pheasant stories for you. In the meantime, have a great week, safe week. My buddy Mark's got something to say. Get outside and make some memories.